Good evening and welcome to Next on the Tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA players, legends, and top instructors go to share their stories, insights, and playing lessons. Join Chris every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time as he talks with the greats of the game. Tonight's show is sponsored by the French Lick Resort, Ben Hogan Golf, the PGA Tour Superstore, Two Wonder, the Salt Creek Golf Retreat, TaylorMade Golf, the Bobby Jones Apparel Company, and Superspeed Golf. Now, here's your host, Chris Mascaro. Good evening, folks, and thank you for joining me tonight here on Next on the T. I hope you're doing really well. Welcome to Masters Week, right? My favorite week of the year, and my sincere thanks goes out to all of you for your wonderful prayers and uh, and well wishes yesterday. My son and I had tickets to the Monday practice round over at Augusta, and uh, so as you can imagine, you know, I started checking the weather forecast a few weeks in advance, and and it was showing anywhere between a 40 and a 60% chance of scattered thunderstorms for Monday. And then, you know, as we get closer and closer, all of a sudden it went up to an 80% chance, then a 90% chance, then a 100% chance. So, of course, right, you, you got tickets to the Masters, you start to panic. And I'm looking at the hourly forecast all the time. What's it look like? And it showed, a, a, you know, it was going to rain overnight on, you know, Sunday into Monday. But in the, in the early morning hours, we it looked good. A 20% chance of rain between 6 and 10 a.m. And then, you know, thanks to all of your prayers and the well wishes and, and to, to God above, it started moving out. It was, the rain was going to come back around 11, right? Then it was. Uh, going to come around one and then it was going to come around three so all of the wonderful prayers and the power of you know positive thinking and the well wishes and all that all of a sudden the the, the rain moved out into later in the day and it came we were you know we got seven good hours out on the course and really you know when you when you're looking at a hundred percent chance of rain but you get seven hours out at augusta national boy you can't ask for much more than that we happen to be Sitting there, uh, you know, we'd seen the course, we'd walked around the whole course several times and, and followed, you know, some of the you know, great players out there. We saw Tiger Woods and DJ and Rory and, and all of those guys out there on the practice round. And then, of course, you know, the majesty that is Augusta National. And, uh, boy, I could just sit there at Amen Corner and, and gaze at, at the 11 green and 12 and the, and the tee box for 13 where all the azaleas are. And then you go around 13, obviously, to, see the rest of the azaleas and the beautiful green there so we got to see all of that all we wanted of that and then like i say we walked the whole course saw the the new tee box there on five and you'd swear it was there for a hundred years and we know they just built that you know since the last uh last masters tournament but uh thank you again to, to all of you and to your prayers and thank thanks the god above for holding the rain back uh, for as long as it did uh it was uh it was a wonderful experience as it is every single year so, folks, as you can imagine, we're going to be talking a little bit about the Masters tonight. And my first guest is going to be my all-time favorite author and, and just, you know, one of my favorite guests, period. And that is former uh, producer for the Golf Channel on ESPN2, Keith Hirschland. Keith's book, Cover Me, Boys, I'm Going In, is a great book. First of all, it's my all-time favorite, as a matter of fact. And if you love sports and you love reading about what goes on behind the scenes, at the, at the TV studios or during a broadcast, boy, you're going to love this book just as much as I do. I highly recommend you go out on Amazon or go out on Keith's website, keithherschland.com, get a copy of the book or any of the other two of Keith's mystery novels, Big Flies and the Flower Girl Murder. 
Tonight, I'm going to be talking about, you know, all the things that uh, Keith got to be a part of when he was at the Golf Channel surrounding the Masters, which one of the tournaments are among his favorites. What was it like being at the Golf Channel during Masters Week? I want to talk about that. And then uh, I know Keith's been working on book number four, so I want to get an update on that. Keith will be along with me here in just a few minutes. Following him, I'm going to get a return visit from another great friend of mine and Keith as well, and that is Matthew Lawrence. And you guys know how much I dig Matthew. Almost a year ago to the day was Matthew's first trip out to Augusta National. He and his twin brother Mitchell, who uh, you hear me talking about every single week here on the show as well, they got tickets to the Wednesday practice round in the Par 3 contest. And much like what my son and I had to deal with running up to our, our visit yesterday, they had a 90% chance of rain in the forecast for that day, and it held off until very late in the day, so we'll talk about that. Plus, Matthew is a big Seve Ballesteros fan, so we'll talk about Seve's wins in 1980 and 83 and some of Matthew's other favorite Masters memories as well. He'll be along with me at the bottom of the hour. Then we're around out tonight, show with a return visit from Golf Tip Magazine's uh, Top 25 instructor, Tom Patrick. And Tom has a long history and a love affair with Augusta National as well. He's about a driver five iron for him away from the, the course right now. He's over in Sea Island, Georgia. So we'll talk about what's going on over there. And Tom has been longtime friends with Fred Couples. So we'll talk about Fred's win in 92. And uh, also, as you uh, heard Tom talk about not that long ago, he did some work with Seve Ballesteros as well. He did a little bit of work with Seve and a lot of learning from Seve around the short game. So we'll talk about that as well. So looking forward to having Tom back on the show about 45 minutes from now. So there you have it, folks. A lot more great stories and information coming your way tonight on this edition of Next on the Tee. Thank you so much for tuning in and taking the journey with me tonight. But before I get started, I always like to remind you about, speaking of Mitch Lawrence, I talk about his podcast, Talking Golf Getaways. He and his co-host, Darren Bunch, let you know about great places to go Stay, play, and even eat and drink while you're there. Again, their show is called Talking Golf Getaways, and it has moved over to a new website, Golf Trip X, and the X being for experts. So GolfTripX.com. Go there, check out their show, and learn about some of the hidden gems that we have around the country. This twin brother and my guest tonight, Matthew, also has a fantastic golf show. It is called Backspin Golf. His show airs Sunday mornings from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time on WLXG ESPN Radio AM 1300 up. The show is so much fun to listen to because as you, as you've heard all the different times that Matthew has been a part of the show, he makes it fun, right? Again, the show is called Backspin Golf. You can stream it online by going to WLXG.com or do what I did, which is download the WLXG app. And folks, as you know, we are sponsored by the French Lick Resort. Let's hear a word from our good friend Steve Rondonero about what they've got going on up there. Play legendary golf at French Lick Resort, the only place in the country where you can play courses by two Hall of Fame designers on the same property. Our Pete Dye and Donald Ross courses offer two very different challenges. Experience them both and save with our Hall of Fame package. Our two historic hotels are unique as well. Cap it off with a fun visit to the French Lick Casino. Check us out online at FrenchLick.com. Bring a group and save even more. Play legendary golf this season at French Lick Resort. Yeah, folks, go online to FrenchLick.com to see for yourself what a wonderful place it is and to book your stay as well. also want to tell you about our good friends over at the Ben Hogan Golf Equipment Company. Now, folks, if you haven't hit Ben Hogan iron since maybe the 80s or the 90s, do yourself a favor. Go online, get a demo iron from either their Fort Worth, PTX, or Edge irons. And they've got the new 
PTX irons out. Just started coming out today, so go online and check those out as well. And get yourself, like I say, a demo of any one of those irons. Or go out on the range and compare it to whatever it is you've got in your bag right now. All Ben Hogan irons and wedges are handcrafted one at a time, and therefore worth Texas Factory. So no mass production, no shortcuts. Now you can order custom-made irons, wedges, and hybrids by going online again to their site, BenHoganGolf.com. And they're going to build those clubs to your specifications. And best of all, charge you a fraction of the typical retail price. Check out their complete line of irons. Wedges, utility irons, hybrids, bags, and accessories online at BenHoganGolf.com. Please also check out our friends at the Bobby Jones Apparel Company by going online to BobbyJones.com. They've got their new summer collection coming out now. Looks absolutely spectacular. you got to check out their new uh, their new polos, folks. Look absolutely fantastic. Can't wait to get my hands on a couple of those. See what I'm talking about by going online to BobbyJones.com. All right, now back and making his sixth appearance with me here on Next on the T. Like I say, is my favorite author and one of my favorite individuals, period, and that is Keith Hirschland. Keith has uh, become a wonderful friend over the last few years. He's an Emmy Award-winning TV producer. He's produced shows for ES the Golf Channel. Keith was among the original people that started the Golf Channel back in 1995. He's also written three wonderful books. You've heard me talk about Cover Me, Boys, I'm Going In, Tales of the Two from a Broadcast Brat, which is my all-time favorite book. He's also written Two Great Mysteries, Big Flies, and The Flower Girl Murder, both of which have gotten rave reviews and are winning awards, it seems like, just constantly. Ever since uh, The Flower Girl Murder uh, book came out, it seems like it is a winning award. been doing so now month after month. He's got a fourth book on the way, which we hope to hear more about, and I'm very excited he is back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Good evening, Keith. Thanks for coming back on the show. Oh, my gosh, Chris. Thanks for having me. It's always great to be with you, and uh, I'm just thrilled to be to be back with you again, and that was a great story about about your escapades at Augusta this year, and I'm glad it all worked out. I was one of the ones on uh, social media that was uh, was hoping that you were going to get get most of the day in. I appreciate you. Yeah, all the good vibes and the prayers came through for me, so I appreciate that very much, Keith. So, yeah. Keith, you you always have so many exciting things going on with all of your books, and they're all absolutely spectacular. And I know you got a fourth one. Coming up, uh, coming up here pretty soon. Catch us up with uh, all the things that have been going on with you since we talked in the fall. Yeah, it's actually we had some pretty exciting news um, that had to do with Cover Me Boys uh, because, as you know, we uh, I wrote that book. Uh, it took me about five years to write it and um, completed it in the fall of 2013, and decided at the time after talking to a couple of traditional publishers and a couple of uh, agents. Um, that the best route to go was to probably self-publish it, so we did that. But then, uh, I guess, after we talked, um, uh, a traditional publishing company called Beacon Publishing Group reached out to me and said, hey, we, we've read your book, Cover Me, Boys, I'm Going In, and uh, we'd like to partner with you and, uh, and re-release it as, you know, through our, our Beacon Publishing Group team. And, um, of course, we jumped at that chance. So as of February 1st, uh, of this year, Cover Me Boys has been re-released by Beacon Publishing Group. So uh, the folks that maybe didn't get a chance to to read it when it first came out in 2013 or since um, may we're hoping uh, get a new look at it and have a chance to to hear some of the stories uh, about my my parents who were broadcasting pioneers and then uh, kind of my escapades in the broadcast business, working at local TV stations across the country, then at ESPN, then for Don Olmeyer, then at ESPN, and then. Ultimately, at the Golf Channel for uh, 
for 18 years. So that was great. And as you said, uh, we actually just finished book number four called Murphy Murphy and the Case of Serious Crisis. It's another mystery. And uh, Beacon, um, thankfully, was um, more than willing to, to partner with us on that one. So it will, it's in the hands of their editors right now. And, uh, and they're going to take a look at it and give us some ideas and give us some thoughts. And then that'll be published probably not in, not, in the not too distant future. And then one more, I'm going to offer, ask you this live on the radio. I would be honored if you would allow me to use your name in book number five that I have just started putting pen to paper on. So if you don't mind, ah. there will be a character in the next book named Chris Mascaro. How about that? Oh, please do. I can't tell you if, now, he, now, I can't now. Tell you if he's a good guy or a bad guy yet. But Oh, no, no. <laughs> well, that's all right. All right. Either side's okay. Just don't make me do anything heinous. I don't, you know, I can't, I, won't. I can't have I my name associated with anything heinous. All right. Very good. I appreciate you. <laughs> Look forward to it. So be, before we move off the books, Keith, Murphy, Murphy, talk, what, what's the premise of this one? Because so many of the, you know, of the other two, you, you like to take, you know, something that's actually happened and then give it an ending. So, you know, right. talked in the big flies. You know, was sort of a D.B. Cooper sort of end, right. you know, book and how it actually might have ended. So talk about what the premise of Murphy Murphy is. So there, there are a couple of things with Murphy Murphy. First of all, um, as the, the folks who are my friends and who have worked with me and for me in the past will know I'm a bit of a, uh, of a stickler for certain grammatical things. I, um, I abhor, uh, things I, um, using the word All-American instead of All-America. I think that Ryder Cupper or Hall of Famer are, uh, should never be used. They could, because in my opinion, they don't give enough importance to the, to the title. They should be members of the Hall of Fame or Ryder Cup team members anyway. So, but like I said, the people who have worked for me and know me know my feeling on that. And the other thing I do not like is redundant phrases. So I thought I was going to write a book. My next book, After Flower Girl Murder, was going to be about a detective who also cannot stand redundant phrases, but just happens to be named Murphy Murphy. And he uh, gets drawn into a case because he works in the police department in the Department of Redundancy Department. And he gets <laughs> called into a case of a rock and roll band called Serious Crisis as if there is any other kind of crisis. So um, he solves the mystery of what happens when certain items that belong to the band Serious Crisis go missing. And uh, along the way, I featured in the book somewhere in the neighborhood of 150 redundant phrases. So it would be fun, <laughs> I thought, for readers to figure out which, you know, which were the redundant phrases and how many there are. And, and um, our dear friend who's coming up next, Matthew Lawrence, plays a uh, a major role in the in the manuscript um he is a he is a of course a famous actor who um his his niece is in the rock band and uh he gets involved in in the uh in solving the mystery in various ways so uh, it's a mystery uh, but it's lighthearted it's fun uh, I tried to make it entertaining and kind of again a, a, a little bit of a jab at the all the people that that tend to use redundant phrases. <laughs> so, 
knowing that Matthew is a character in the book, does Matthew get to play himself when there's a movie? Well, Matthew can do anything he wants because I'm counting on him to be the one that takes it to Hollywood. So uh, <laughs> I would say that he would absolutely have to play himself in the movie because one of the characters, um, and seriously, I, I, I think I mentioned my son is in a rock band, and he said I like to draw on actual, actual events and actual things as kind of the basis for a lot of what happens in my writing. So I took, you know, the fact that, that my son's band, Post Animal, has been on tour and he collaborated with me a little bit on some of the things and some of the terminology. But Matthew is actually, in the book, he is, his character's name is Lawrence Matthews, but he, he actually was Matthew Lawrence because I refer to Eddie and the Cruisers a lot in the book, which of course Matthew yes. starred in. And, uh, you know, it's, it's, there's a bar in the book and, movie Eddie and the Cruisers is constantly playing in the bar. Um, so there's a whole bunch of references to Eddie and the Cruisers and Matthews and, and, um, and uh, Matthew Lawrence. And so I had a lot of fun with it. And, and uh, you know, I think you'll like it. He's a good guy. I, I try to lead readers into thinking that he may not be a good guy for a long time, but I'll, I'll give it away and say that in the end, he's a good guy. Ah, there you go. And you know, Matthew it will will be the first one to brag to you that he is the world's greatest air guitarist. So, you know, he may be lobbying to get back in the band, let, let alone play himself. So There you go. There you go. So, yeah, you got that. So, Keith, let's switch gears a little bit. And, you know, as you mentioned, all the years that you were at the Golf Channel, and the Golf Channel does such a great job covering the Masters with their live from the Masters shows and that sort of thing. But I got to ask you, what was Masters Week like for you every year when the when it became Tournament Week? Yeah, that's a great question. You know, and I was just, when you mentioned that at the beginning of the show that you were going to ask me about that, I, I ran through my, my memory banks and tried to think about what the heck did we do during Masters Week? Because, as you know, my 18 years at the Golf Channel was spent producing live golf. So, you know, obviously the Golf Channel had nothing to do with the tournament production of the Masters. So, you know, and I also, because I was with the live tournament team, I didn't work on the news shows either. So, but I was thinking when we first started in the in the mid-90s, um, we actually had, a, at the time, a Nike Tour event, and it was in Florence, South Carolina, the Nike South Carolina Classic. Uh, past champions of that event include the likes of Stuart Sink and Charlie Reimer and my dear friend, and I, w- I would highly recommend you getting him on your show, Jerry Foltz, who uh, that was his one one uh, tour victory was the South Carolina Classic. But that was what we were doing in the early, the first handful of years of of the Golf Channel during Masters Week because we were working. We were producing the uh, we were producing and televising a Nike Tour event. And I remember one year, because we wanted to be off the air, the tournament director, Dick Baker, was a little angry with us, but preferred his event to be on TV rather than have it not be on TV. But we always had to finish really early. So they always had to go off in threesomes really early in the morning. And because they wanted to be finished, Golf Channel wanted us to be finished before, long before CBS came on the air on Saturday and Sunday with the Masters. So... um and I think at the time that was still three o'clock. I think because that was the you know mid to late nineties, and I don't think the CBS right. had extended their air window yet. So you know we were done by three o'clock, and what we would do is go right up to the clubhouse and watch 
TDS broadcast. And um, so that was fine. I remember one year really well was the year that the Nick Salvo Greg Norman year, because one of the folks on my team, uh, a young lady who worked for me as an associate producer, was very, very good friends with Greg Norman. And she couldn't have been more excited to go up and watch Greg finish off what was going to be his, you know, crowning glory and winning the Masters. And, and he ended up, you know, as we all know, blowing a big lead on the back nine. And, and uh, this person was, was devastated, as we all were, because we were all, you know, rooting for, rooting for Greg, too. And um, I never told Nick that story when I started working with him in the, in the late, <laughs> in the 2000s. I cheered against him at the, in that Masters, but um, I'm sure he wouldn't care. But, you know, it's a good memory to bring out that the coverage didn't start until around three o'clock on Sunday because, you know, the Masters for forever. We didn't we never saw the yeah. front nine at Augusta National. That was sort of a mystery until not all that long ago, because all we would do is pick up the broadcast on the on the back nine on Sunday. So, yeah, that's an that's a, you know, something that the, the younger generation doesn't realize. Yeah, when I was growing up, I, I know I'm dating myself, but, you know, I mean, I don't I grew up in a golf family. I was really fortunate. Both my parents played golf and they taught my brothers and I to play golf and we would all go out on the weekends and, you know, play golf as a family and Masters Week was always, you know, let's, let's go play and then come home so we can get home in time, you know, to watch. Now, you know, you never go out and play on the weekend because with the internet and the coverage that they do such a great job on the Masters app and, you know, you can watch featured groups and, and, and the featured holes and Amen Corner. I mean, that's a, that's a great view for me. That's a great viewing experience because you can pretty much watch, you know, a number of, the, you know, the top players play their entire rounds. And um, it's also a thrill for me because I get to hear some of my old colleagues and friends like Grant Boone and Billy Ray Brown and folks like that on the broadcast of those, uh, of those featured holes and featured groups in Amen Corner. So it's a lot of fun for me now. Um, but in, in back in the day, it was just that anticipation of, you know, like three o'clock couldn't come fast enough. You were, you know, it was, you just couldn't wait for, you know, to, for the masters to come on so you could watch the, the, the final holes. Yeah. And, you know, to your point, right, there was no internet back then. So you didn't know who was making a move or what a charge was going, what charge was going on and how things were going until it finally did come on at three o'clock to see. What happened on the front nine? Did someone fall apart? Did someone make a charge and all that sort of thing? Because, uh, yeah, no internet, no coverage, no nothing. You just sort of had to wait and see. So, yeah, it was certainly was a different time. And as you yep. mentioned how you view it now, and you've got a website, your uh, WordPress blog site, covermeboys.com. You wrote about what your new master t- tradition is for viewing the tournament. You've alluded to most of it, but do you like being able to go back and forth between Amen Corner and what's happening at 15, 16, who the feature groups are? I mean, are you constantly hitting the back button to to see what's going on between station to station? Well, I, I, I'll confess that I'm worse than that. Um, I usually have at least three devices going. Um, I have the app. I have Apple TV, so I can, through the app, the master's app, I can watch all those things on all the televisions in my house. So what we usually have going is I have the computer set up on one of the streams, and then I have the televisions in the, in our basement slash bar slash uh, viewing area set up with all the, with CBS, with the Amen Corner, and then with the featured group. So I'm, I'm 
looking at four and five screens at a time, which, as you know, my, you know, I've produced golf for more than 20 years, and there's in excess of 70 monitors in a TV truck. So looking at five different screens at once is not that big a deal for me. Um, at least in this iteration of my life, I don't have also people yelling in my ear um, <laughs> certain things, and I also don't have to be yelling at people in their ears. So um, I can just sit back and watch and, and soak it all in. It drives my wife a little crazy because she likes to concentrate on one thing at a time, but which is usually the big screen and CBS's coverage. But I like the I like the option of going back and forth and, and looking at different things at different times. So uh, I'm I'm uh, I take it to the extreme, I guess. So uh, you know, having your old producers hat on while you're watching all of these different screens and the things that are going on. Are you happy with what you're seeing? Or do you look at it and go, you know, boy, if they would just do this, I think it would make it better. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I, I hate to say, I mean, they do, they all do such a great job. I mean, it's, it's such an amazing event. And I was lucky enough for a couple of years to be in the truck, um, for the Amen Corner group and, um, and see, you know, Mike Arnold directs that truck and he comes straight from the NCAA, um, national championship and, you know, they, they all, a bunch of those guys from CBS, it's the only golf tournament that they do, but they love it. And, you know, they're committed to it 100% and they do a great job. Um, but I'd be lying if I didn't say I was always yelling at the TV saying, why, why'd you go there? Or, you know, what, what, that this shot has to be on tape. It happened. It had to have happened 10 minutes ago. And why don't you tell me it's on tape and things like that that also, you know, are. It's, I'm not a whole lot of fun to watch golf on TV with. I'll have to admit that. But uh, <laughs> for the most part, uh, I appreciate so much how hard a job it is. And I appreciate the hard work that all those guys, the technicians and, and the, the, the graphics people and the, the folks in the truck and the, and, the, and the videotape room. And everybody works so dang hard. And they care so much about the product that, uh, you know, you, it's, it's, just, it's just an exciting thing. And if you've ever been in a TV truck and if you haven't, I'd encourage you to do it the next time you're at an event because it's a different world and, and you'll be blown away. It's really, it's really a lot of fun. People say golf is boring on TV. Well, look at golf from inside a television production truck and you'll never think it's boring again. So this begs the question now, thinking about this year's tournament, who are you rooting for? What, do, what are you hoping to see come Sunday afternoon? Well, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm an unabashed Tiger Woods fan. Always have been, always will be. I would love for Tiger to be in kitchen. I would love it even more if Tiger won. But, um, uh, you know, this year I think is going to be one of the, one of those great, um, events because so many guys are coming into it playing so well. And you know, as well as I do that, that golfers are the, the best athletes. It's the best profession. They're the best professional athletes on the planet. They're, they're all extremely accommodating, very nice, very friendly. They get it. They're fan friendly. Um, and so, I mean, I, I would be thrilled if Justin Rose won. I would be thrilled if Rich Fowler won. Uh, I would be thrilled if Rory won and completed the career grand slam. Um, you know, I, but if, if I'm being honest, you know, I, I want Tiger to win at least one more Masters and at least one more British Open. Um, and ideally, it would be great if he could win five more major championships. So, Keith, thinking about what we saw this past weekend, did you ever think we'd see a women's tournament being played at Augusta National? How, how big of, that, of an event is that? 
for for the for that, women's golf. That was a, it's. I mean, not just women's golf, golf in general. I mean, what an amazing event and what a show they put on. I, I was uh, fortunate enough to be traveling during, while it was on. I was on an airplane and they had it on Direct TV, and uh, I I got to why I didn't get to hear it a good three hours of it. And the the show that Jennifer and and Maria put on was just amazing. And the golf course looked great. I thought it was a great message for golf in general. Um, I think that uh, going forward, um, that with along with everything that the USGA is doing, everything that the LPGA Tour is doing, um, it's just it just it just points to just an amazingly bright future um, for women's golf and and for golf in general. I mean, I think that you know across the spectrum, I think people, male, female, young, old, um, all uh, got a kick out of out of that great event, and I look forward to to it being, you know, a staple and something that I'll watch for years to come. Keith, just a couple more before we let you go. And I also know what a big Michelle Wee fan you are, and you've known mm-hmm. her since she was quite young. Um, I know yep. she's battling back now from another set of injuries. Boy, she is. She just seems like she snake bit with injury after injury. Do you think she's going to be able to make her way all the way back? Oh, boy. You know, you'd li- I, I hope so. And you know, you're right. I've, I've always been a big fan of Michelle's and she's another one that, you know, despite all the, the hullabaloo and everything that surrounded her and at the, the early stages of her career, she was always so good to us and so accommodating and, uh, you know, did, did everything that we asked her to do and then some. And, you know, I'll always, I'll always cheer for her. I hope she can get healthy because I think if she's healthy, then some of that natural ability and that natural fluidity to her game will come back. I think battling all these injuries, I think it's been hard for her to get to, to feel natural about her golf swing again. And once that happens, I think she'll, I think she'll start winning, winning events and winning major tournaments again. And we were lucky enough to be in Pinehurst when she won her U.S. Women's Open. Um, and that was a, that was a great week. And uh, I hope she gets back. I hope she gets healthy. Most of all, I hope she gets healthy. And then, uh, like I said, once she gets healthy, uh, I think she'll be back to form and she'll be, she'll be formidable on that tour again, which is, which is, they're playing some tremendous golf out there. And Keith, with your, with your lovely wife, Sarah, now the chief executive officer of the U.S. Olympic Committee, and now we have golf back in the Olympics. Boy, it just seems like a wonder, not only a wonderful marriage between two wonderful people, but a wonderful marriage between what she's doing and what your path is. Could we see you maybe doing a little something around uh, Olympic golf next time around? I'll be a fan. <laughs> um, I'm, you know, I can't wait to go to Tokyo and, and not only watch the golf, but, but just uh, experience the Olympic Games um, up close and personal for really the first time that I can remember. I, I have pictures of me on my dad's shoulders at the 1960 Winter Games at Squaw Valley. Uh, I was five years old at the time, but, uh, this will be an amazing experience. And, you know, just, uh, just being around the great folks at Team USA and, and all the good, good work that they do and everything that they do for, um, amateur sports and Olympic sports in this country is, is amazing. And, uh, you know, we're really looking forward to, to being a part of it when we when they hit the Tokyo in 2020, and you'll you'll definitely see me uh, in the gallery. Um, I think that's the best place for me to be cheering on uh, on the on the members of Team USA and and everybody else that's competing in the event.
Keith, before we let you go, remind our listeners, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing and follow you online, whether it's uh, on your website or over social media? Yeah, you can find me at uh, com or, at, as you mentioned, CoverMeBoys.com, which is my blog that I promise that I'll start posting some more things on. I've been a little busy writing books. Uh, the books are available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, uh, Walmart.com, a bunch of places now that uh, Beacon Publishing has gotten involved. I'm on Instagram at uh, Author, and uh, you can find me at, at on Facebook at Keith Hirschland Author. So I appreciate you uh, letting me say that. And uh, again, Chris, it's always fun being with you. You're one of the best in the business, and I love the just the conversations that we get to have. And um, I will always jump whenever you say, can you come on the show? <laughs> ah, I can't thank you enough, Keith. I can't wait to read Murphy Murphy and, and you know, like I say, for, for anything else to see how uh, my good friend Matthew Lawrence fares in the book and uh, and uh, weigh in on what on uh, how accurate it is. <laughs> yeah, I can't wait to hear what he has to say coming up next. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. I appreciate it. Keith, take care, my friend. All the best to you and your wife, Sarah, and your family. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon, my friend. Thanks, Chris. Enjoy the Masters. Ah, Thank you. You too, Keith. That is the great Keith Hirschland, H-I-R-S-H-L-A-N-D, Hirschland. And, uh, again, cover me, boys. I'm going in. My all-time favorite book. I can't recommend that highly enough to you. Check out Big Flies and the Flower Girl Murder. And, boy, I'm, I'm very excited about two things. A, Murphy Murphy to read read that book just to see what a great book it is and then to see my boy Matthew Lawrence and see what that character looks like and then I'm going to have my name in book number five I tell you what I'm all single about that too so looking forward to having Keith back on the show again real soon before I get to Matthew Lawrence I want to remind you about a couple of our sponsors first Super Speed Golf now used by over half the tour players around the world Super Speed Golf is the fastest and most effective way to increase your swing speed Three eight-minute training sessions per week are all you need to see a 5% increase in that swing speed. And with sets for golfers of all ages and over one year of included video instruction as well, Superspeed offers a complete solution to help you start bombing it off the tee. Visit them online at superspeedgolf.com to pick up your set today. And folks, well, TaylorMade has done it again, and the all-new M5 and M6 drivers are available now. And boy, what a story. They both feature speed-injected twist face. Created through a revolutionary manufacturing process where every single head, and as you heard David Abelis, their CEO, come on, and he attested to it, every single head is injected and calibrated to the threshold of the legal limit. Basically, every head is now tour spicy, so speed for all, now available. Check them out online at tailormadegolf.com. This segment of the show is sponsored by our friends over at the PGA Tour Superstore. This segment of the show is brought to you by the PGA Tour Superstore. See why golfers everywhere are proud to call PGA Tour Superstore their golf pro shop. Visit them online at PGATourSuperstore.com. Now back to Chris and more of the show. And now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is Matthew Lawrence. Folks, you hear me talking about Matthew's show, Backspin Golf, every week at the top of this show because, A, how much I think of Matthew, and quite frankly, because the show's fantastic. I listen every Sunday morning. I hope you will as well. It's available from 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Time. Like I say, it's just so much fun listening to Matthew and, and his wonderful guests, and I'm very excited. He is back with me again tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, Matthew. How are you, my friend? 
All right, I'm a little upset, though, i got to tell you, Chris. Um, You're upset? Already? Uh, I just said yeah, hi. Uh, uh, yeah, but it's not that. It's what just happened before you brought me on. Um, you know, you always tell me how much you appreciate me and you appreciate yes. me being on the show. And Yes. Well, it's just wrong for you to have me on after Keith Hirschland. I'm just, I, I don't know how to say this. I'm just not happy because there is no way I can live up to the standard that Keith Hirschland has set. <laughs> I just can't. I, uh, and, and frankly, it upsets me a little bit. I like to be the center of attention. I like to have all ears on me. But when Keith Hirschland precedes me, I'm a little upset. That's all. That's all. I'll I'll try to get over it, but don't ever do this. So what to you're me telling again, me is Chris. you have to be you have to be the first guest every time you come on. That way, no one comes before you. You can come after me correct. in my intros and all of that. Correct. But yes, you don't correct. Okay. That's okay. All right. Yes. Or just have me as the only guest. Don't even have other guests on the show. <laughs> I mean, that way you're sure you all know, ears are on you. If, that's correct. Now you're starting to get it. I'm proud of you. Uh, uh, all right. Uh, Good to know the ground rules. Keith Hirschland is seriously, and again, like, I've never met you physically. It's staggering no. to me. Um, so many of my friends that have become, become important people in my life, I haven't physically met. And Keith, not only are you one of those people, but Keith is also. And uh, he, I just treasure his friendship as I do yours. His writing is just amazing. And I know that uh, he talked a little bit about Murphy Murphy. Uh, actually, I'm kind of a little upset about that, too, because I, I think this book should be called Matthew Matthew. It's called Murphy Murphy. I, I don't. I don't really get that. I have, I've made notes that I'm going to have to talk to him about. But, um, I sit, I sit in, uh, after I read Cover Me Boys and Big Flies, Flower Girl Murders. And, I, I mean, I just sit there and read and I'm in awe. I'm in awe of people that write that well anyway, but his, it's just fantastic. This Murphy Murphy is, I'm fairly lucky that I've gotten an advanced copy of this. Oh, staggering! Is that right? Staggeringly. Now, there's a reason for this. Maybe I shouldn't have said. You may have to edit this (laughs) out. (laughs) But uh, there's a reason for this because uh, I am going to. I'm going to have a part in this. And Keith and I, our dream is for a couple of these books to be made into films. And they really should be, of course, which I would have the starring role in these films if they are done, <laughs> uh, you know. So, uh, boy, I'm just sitting here thinking if somebody's tuning in to, to your show for the first time and hearing me and thinking, who is this idiot? That this, this guy has the biggest uh, ego of any person I've ever, ever heard. Well, that's okay. we, we know differently, right? <laughs> anyway, hi, Chris. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, 
So in Murphy Murphy, as I was talking to Keith earlier on in the show, right? Because it's there's a band in there and all of that sort of thing, and he says he references Eddie mm-hmm. and the Cruisers, you know, uh, several yep. times throughout the book. I, I'm thinking, you know, you you uh, at least self-professed the greatest air guitarist of all time. I mean, correct. you should that if, they, be if this becomes <laughs> if this becomes a movie, you got to be in the band, oh, yeah. right? You can't be this character. You got to be the guy in the band. Yeah, I don't. Uh, uh, Keith will have to figure that out. I mean, I re- I don't know how he's going to work this whole thing, but um, but to to me, I'll probably end up playing four or five different characters <laughs> in this whole thing. That's, there you go. That's the way I that's the way I look at it because I like to be stretched as an artist, if you know what I mean, Chris. <laughs> that's great. I even I can't believe the things I say. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so switching gears just slightly. Um and, yep. and you know, because you and Perry talked about this last Sunday on your show, but Perry was kind yep. enough to come over on and Perry French come over a couple of weeks ago mm-hmm. and join me here on this show. And and I said to Perry that I'm hoping at some point, A, to your earlier point, to meet you in person and then you know perhaps yeah. play around the golf. So I said, Well, first of all, since you know, Matthew gets to have you on the show every week. I think that's got to be as good for at least two aside. But then I need to know, how do I get in Matthew's head? What do I need to do? What do I need to say? And what he told me shocked me just a little because he said nothing. Matthew's got a short fuse. At some point, the bomb is going to go off. So he's going to destroy his own game. You don't have to do anything. Just sit back and wait for it to happen. I'm like, all right. That sounds like something I can do. Yeah, uh, well, by the way, Perry told me that and, uh, <laughs> that he told you that. And I, I, you know, I had a little talk with him because that's, that's the old Matthew. Perry hasn't played with me in a while. That's the old Matthew, uh, that, you know, you just sit back and watch me self-destruct on a golf course. That's the old <laughs> Matthew. I'm not like that anymore. I've reached a, uh, a level of consciousness on the golf course that is, <laughs> unassailable now. Uh, and it, it actually happened very recently. Um, I can't pinpoint the exact moment. I can't go on with this. I really can't. <laughs> I can't. I can't go on with this. I'm like, I'm yeah. like what, you play with the Dalai Lama? You got total consciousness? Yeah, you got that right. going got for you, so, which is nice? Which I got that going for me, which is nice. That's right. <laughs> I actually have gotten a lot better. I really have. I've gotten a lot better. And I think I mean, all kidding aside, I think it's because, I mean, I've been old for a long time, but I think now (laughs) I truly, I'm so grateful every time I get out on the golf course now. Um, I have so many friends who can't, don't play anymore that I played with for years and years and years because of various ailments and, you know, different things. And I'm just so grateful that I can not only get out and play, but I'm, I'm still pretty good. Um, you know, I'm never going to shoot my age, but I think, you you know, I was just 69 years old. I shot 81 the other day and that was with three doubles. I shot 81. So, wow. You know what? You know what? Uh, Forget all that other crap about consciousness. I'm really good. (laughs) I am really good. I just, I just heard what I said. I'm, I am an amazing specimen. 
I, I'm really. I mean, uh, <laughs> you are that. <laughs> yeah, I am that. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> you ain't getting through the side, pal. There ain't no way. Oh, dude, no if way. you just shot 81 with three doubles, that means you probably should have shot, you could have shot 78 or 75. I'm definitely getting to a side. There's no, no question first about of all, that. First of all, first of all, this is, I think we've talked about this before. Nobody asked you how many holes you played. See, I said I shot 81. <laughs> you didn't say how many holes did you play. If you had asked me that, I would have said I played 13 holes. <laughs> and and then you know so if you want to extrapolate that over eighteen holes, then we can talk. Do, do you realize that when do people ever say to you how many holes you yeah you play? they that, no, no they don't they, they say my, my, right yeah go ahead I would say my father would if I told my father I shot sixty nine he would say how many holes oh, yeah. did you play right, right. so but you got to pick a number that's reasonable where people right. don't that's say so they say. You say I played. I played yesterday. Really, what'd you shoot? Eighty-one. And then they go, "Whoa, that's really good." Just like you just did. They don't yeah. say how many holes did you play. I would have said thirteen, because then my back starts <laughs> going bad, and you know, different. I like to control things. <laughs> oh my lord! I don't know what's going on here. I'm sitting here as we speak, watching my beloved New York Yankees play. Uh, college basketball is done for me. As much as I love college basketball, I'm glad it's over. I really am glad it's mm. over because now I can concentrate on baseball and golf. And I'm very happy. Right? Because I don't, I don't yell at the TV when I'm watching my Yankees. Really? Are you kidding? Are you kidding me? <laughs> oh, sorry. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> sorry. Somebody just doubled right, off so, the wall against us. Yeah, go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> let's talk. Let's actually talk a little golf while we're on this golf okay. show. I'm and, sorry. And I've, first of all, I've, yep. I've taken you down a rabbit hole here. I'm very sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> so I got to thank you because, you know, speaking of golf and earlier with Perry French and the Zexio brand, you sent me a dozen Zexio golf balls, and they are as beautiful as you advertise them to be. I'm looking forward to seeing how well they actually play on the golf course. I got yeah. my buddy's trip coming up in a couple of weeks, so I intend to pull those out and let uh, my Perfect. buddies look at them, but not but not touch them like you recommend. Yes, so no, thank you very much for that. You're welcome. You're welcome. Don't let anybody touch those. Those are yours. They're too valuable. I told you, I don't even use mine. I don't want to lose them. <laughs> I don't want to scuff them up. They're too beautiful. I can't do it. So tell me how good they are when you play with them. Yeah, I'll tell you how they actually play. Okay. So speaking of actually playing, I did see you posted a really nice picture, and you were out on Kearney, you know, your home course, Kearney Hill there in Lexington. First off the tee yep. this past weekend, yep. That's a, that's got to be just a peaceful, beautiful thing. Yeah. Uh, you know, I'll tell you, they're really, I am so blessed. I mean, so blessed. Lexington Parks and Rec is, uh, has been and is a major sponsor of Backspin Golf. And we have five great public municipal golf courses here in Lexington. One of which, Kearney Hill, is my, I don't, I've never played a public course that I enjoy as much as Kearney Hill. 
and I've played all over the country. Um, it's a Pete Dye course. It's $47 on the weekend, and it is spectacular. It's difficult. It's, I mean, it's just an amazing place. And Justin Mullenick, who is the head pro out there and one of my really close friends, lets me go out first uh, during the golf season. And it's usually just me and one other one friend or two friends. And we play very quickly. There's nobody in front of us. Um, the other day we were out there, it, you know, the, the weather has just started turning here. And to be out there first, of course, it's a little wet. There's dew out there. It's just uh, sunrise was at 716, and we hit the first shots at 725. So um, it was just it's just great. It's so peaceful. Uh, and, again, all kidding aside, another reason why, it's very hard for me to get upset when I hit a bad shot now because I'm just so grateful to be able to be out there. And um, that's the way it was the other day. And Matthew, almost a year ago to the day was your first experience out at Augusta National. You and Mitch got the opportunity to go out there on the practice round on Wednesday, see the mm-hmm. par three tournament. Remind everybody what that experience was like for you. Uh you know, it's funny because we all, we all know on Facebook that those memory things come up, and it came up, uh, I guess yesterday it came up, but it was actually a year ago on the Wednesday. Um, I had been to go for many, many, many years, and my brother Mitchie has gone numerous times. And uh, our friend John Patrick of the Augusta Golf Show, who if you've never had him on, I will set that up after the Masters is over because he is truly a remarkable person um he got me a pass for that wednesday and i met mitchell and Ava there and uh uh, i you always hear about augusta that until you actually walk on those grounds and you look at it no matter what you think from watching it on tv or you read or you hear and that's actually the truth um I, i couldn't believe it when i got there it was so beyond anything that I even expected, having seen it all these years. Um, you almost can't believe it's real. It's like a fairy tale. That's what I, I told my friends that haven't been there. I said, you, the beauty of the place is, I don't know how they do it. There is not a blade of grass on acres and acres and acres that's out of place. Not one blade of grass. And you know the best thing about it, Chris, to me was, uh, I walked before we went. We we all know these iconic shots that have been hit during the Masters. Um, Phil from in between the trees, uh, Tiger's chip shot on six. All those kind of shots. Um, we walked to those different places, and when you stand at the spot where Phil hit that shot, you know the shot I'm talking about between the yeah. two trees off of Pine Straw. Uh, I can't remember if it was 13 or 15, but 13. You stand 13. there. Yeah, 13. You stand there and you look at the exact spot where he was and you look and you go, there is no way he did that. There's absolutely no way he did that. Same thing with Tiger's chip shot. We stood right behind where that spot was and you look at it and you go, he can't, you can't make that. You you just can't make it. And so I can't wait. It, Last year, after we got back, just watching it last year, I had just been there. 
you have it like any place, Pebble Beach or any of those places that you've watched for a long time. When you've been there, your appreciation of it is, is so much deeper because you've actually experienced it. I can't wait. I mean, every year I, I haven't been able to wait, but I can't wait till Thursday um, so that, you know, I can actually re- relive kind of what went on a year ago. Been, and doing it with my brother and my sister-in-law, who I love more than life itself, both of them, you know, made it absolutely perfect. So you've been saying for quite a while now that you think Tiger Woods is going to win the Masters. You think he's actually going to win two majors this year. Correct. Stick to that? Correct. Yes. Yeah. What, what, why do you even say that? I, you say it with a hint of uh, either non-belief or sarcasm or something. And you're, I, I don't <laughs> like that, Chris. I don't like it. Yes. I believe Tiger's going to win. You're not concerned about and the four and five footers he's missing and No. It's no, all, all good? I don't I don't know how much golf you've actually watched, but here I'll explain how this works. Okay. Sometimes when you when you play <laughs> golf, sometimes you miss a five footer. And it's amazing the very next time you play, you make the five footer. You see how that works? So <laughs> I'm thinking at Sunday at Augusta on 18, when he's got a five-footer to win, he makes the five-footer. That's how that works. Hmm. That's all. Okay. I, uh, That's all? I think all right. He's been, playing, he's been playing fantastic golf. Uh, we all know how he he loves being at Augusta. He's got to get the breaks. So whoever is going to win uh, has to get the breaks. We know that. But I think he has a really good chance. To win, if he can get off to a good start Thursday and Friday, uh, and be somewhere, you know, within a reasonable distance uh, on the weekend, I absolutely think he can still win. I really do, and I think he's going to win at Pebble Beach. I think he's going to win too this year. That's what I was just saying. Yeah. So, <laughs> so just you know, this was also the same guy that was trying to sell me on Alex Noren last year. So, if Tiger oh, doesn't make oh. the cut. Oh, just like oh, Alex Doran. Oh, yeah. All right. Okay. All right. Okay. All right. I I'm just who, saying. I see who you are now. Uh, all right. No, I got it. Okay. All right. Matthew, be, okay. before we let you go, yeah. let our listeners know about your wonderful show, Backspin Golf, how they can listen every day or every Sunday, and then uh, stay up to date with all the great things that you do on uh, on social media as well. <laughs> Well, uh, my Twitter account is at RealBoro5, R-E-A-L-L-A-U-R-O, and the number five. Uh, Backspin Golf, you can either listen to it uh, online at WLXG.com, and you click Listen Live, or you can get the WLXG app, which is very simple. Just go to the Google Play Store or your Apple Store or whatever you, wherever you go, whatever store you go to, uh, and download the WLXG app, uh, and just hit it. We're on at 8.03 every Sunday morning. Uh, this Sunday, every Sunday of a major, we will be live. Perry French and I will be live there. Uh, and it's just, you know, it's a, I, you know how much I appreciate you and everything you do to talk about the show, but, um, I have met the most wonderful people 
through Twitter and through my golf show over the last, this is the sixth year I've been doing it. Uh, it's just amazing. And uh, every day I'm on in the afternoon, Matthew and Mikey, uh, also on WLXG. Matthew, it's always so much fun getting to spend some time with you. I can't thank you enough for taking time out of your busy schedule to come back and be a part of the show. And, um, and and for all your wonderful support, and I hope one day to actually lay eyes on you, and uh, yeah, you know, tee up a ball yeah. and uh, and watch you implode out on the golf course. Okay, cool. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> Take care, buddy. I'll see you soon. See you. All right. That is the great Matthew Lawrence. And I'm telling you folks, backspin golf is the most fun on the kickoff of your, your Sunday mornings, eight to nine a.m. Eastern time. Uh, is, there's just no better way to kick off a Sunday morning than to listen to Matthew and Perry French in the first segment and all the other wonderful guests that he has on his show. Look forward to catching up with, with Matthew again soon. I've got my next guest, Tom Patry, hanging on the line. Going to get to Tom on the other side of these words about our friends over at Two Under. I want to welcome our newest sponsor, Two Under Men's Performance Briefs, the unofficial underwear of the PGA Tour. Worn by PGA Tour players like Ricky Fowler, David Toms, Jerry Kelly, William McGirt, Jason Kokrak, and Matt Everett, to name just a few. Your buddies are going to think you're a stud if they're even seeing you in your underwear, but that's another story. And your girlfriend and her wife is going to love the side effects, a visibly enhanced profile. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management. It separates a man's most valuable assets from bodily contact to reduce unwanted skin-on-skin contact, providing less chafing, more control, and an altogether more luxurious feel. Start every round two under by wearing the coolest performance briefs on the market. Use code ONTHET20 to save 20% off your order at twounder.com. And that's the number two, UNDR.com. And now back with me here on the French Lick Resort guest line is one of the top 25 instructors according to Golf Tips Magazine and one of the, you know, most wonderful people you'll meet on this planet. Certainly one of the best golf instructors you'll meet and that is Mr. Tom Patry. Tom is also the new director of golf instruction at the Hawthorns Golf and Country Club up in Fishers, Indiana, about five or six weeks away from uh, getting started up there. And I'm very excited he is uh, with me tonight here on Next on the Tee. Good evening, TP. Thanks for coming back on the show. Chris, how are you? Nice to be with you, pal. Thank you. So, Tom, I, I, you know, I was, as I've said to the listeners all throughout the show, blessed to be out at Augusta National yesterday. My son and I got to follow your good friend, Fred Couples, uh, for, uh, part of that practice round. He was out there with Tiger and Justin Thomas. And, and, uh, as I told my son, if a former champion, from the 50 and older group is going to come out and win at Augusta National ever. Boy, it sure seems like Fred has got the opportunity to do that. He is still just as long as I feel like he ever has been. When I watched him, you know, hit a couple of those drives, killing it off the tee. And uh, there's just something about that course that I think brings out the best in Fred's game. But would you be shocked at all if you found out he was contending come Sunday? You know, Chris, I wouldn't. You know, he he does have a lot of lane still and still creates a lot of speed. It's it's just a day to day thing with Fred's back, and and it's all a matter of how he feels from day to day getting up there. That's a tough walking golf course, and uh, you know, we're, we're 60 now. We're not 50 anymore. We're not 40. So getting up every day and, and walking that golf course uh, for four straight days, including practice rounds, so six straight days, you know, takes its toll. We've seen him the last couple of years play really well. The last, the first two rounds. 
but not be able to sustain it through rounds three and four. So it, it wouldn't surprise me. It just depends on how good he's feeling going into the week. And, and Tom, to that end, right, we, we, we've seen Bernard longer contend back in 2016, was actually in the second to last group on, on Sunday in, in 2016. We saw Jack Nicholas finish tied for sixth in 1998 when he was 58 years old. And to your point, Fred is tied 18th in 2017, tied 38th last year. So what, what is it you think about Augusta National that seems to revitalize guys when they're 50 and beyond? Is it just knowledge of the golf course? Is it, a confidence feeling they think that comes back over them. Why do you think the past champions are still able to contend once they get into their fifties? You know, Chris, I can't speak to Langer or to, or to Jack, but I can speak to Freddie because, you know, we've talked about it a lot. There are certain places that just fit your eye as a player. I mean, he's always played and liked to play well at Riviera. He's always played well at Augusta. You know, there are certain courses that just fit your eye and that's a place he's always loved to play. He loved it the first time he went there and, and talked about it. And he's always talked about it religiously. Um, it's a place they really enjoys. Uh, the sight lines are good. He feels comfortable off the tee there. And, and even through his career, as he putted, uh, somewhat suspiciously, he's always seemed to roll it pretty good at Gusta. So it's just a place he's very comfortable at. Um, you know, Langer's a different cat. I mean, he, he, it's almost like he's from a different planet. He's so fit at his age. Um, that didn't surprise me his finish there at all. But uh, Freddie loves Augusta. No, it wouldn't surprise me if he played well. I, I just I just worry about him from day to day as far as conditioning and, and, and how he holds up. And, Tom, you know, considering your friendship with Fred, and we've talked at different points about the, the, the time you've spent with Seve Ballesteros, whether it was, you know, working with him or just a friendship that you've had with him over the years, but, are, are those your favorite? Are 92, you know, going back to 80 and 83 with Seve, are those your favorite Masters memories, or do you have others? Well, I mean, you know, the Masters is something that, if, if you're a golf fan, is something that's very special to anybody that really loves and has passion for the game. So anybody that studies that tournament and its history, um, and, and I've always done that as, as a player and as a teacher, it's always something that's been very dear to me. It's, I think it's, it's my favorite golf tournament to watch and, and, to, be, and, to, and to look forward to every year. Um, and so many great things happened there. You know, Sarah's in double eagle, Kenny Venturi almost winning as an amateur. Um, you know, Floyd's victory there, Faldo and, and the Norman meltdown. You, you can go on with so many great storylines at Augusta. Um, but certainly Seve's victory there, victories there are very dear to me, uh, because of what he meant to me and, and how he treated me as, as a professional. And then, you know, Freddie being such a close friend, that, that victory is certainly special too. But, you know, how many storylines? I mean, it just seems like every year the back nine of Augusta on Sunday writes another storyline. Um, it, it's just endless. And Tom, as, as I'm sure you're aware, Augusta National bought up more land. They've lengthened the par four fifth hole. Now it's 495 yards and they're going to lengthen the par five 13th hole at some point because they bought land, to, uh, you know, at the adjacent Augusta Country Club right behind the 13th tee. But, is it getting silly now, Tom, you know, with, with how far they're, they're having to make the, you know, the length of these par fours? Do we really at some point got to start looking at, you know, getting the manufacturers together and say, we either got to have bifurcation for the pros or we got to do something to roll the golf ball back because there's only so much land you can continue to buy up and how far you can make these golf holes be. It's, it's just starting to feel like it's silly to me now. Yeah, because I, I don't think you'll see the golf ball get rolled back. I just think at some point it'll be a situation where 
you have a lower winning score. I, I mean, I personally uh, kind of miss the really low, low scoring you used to see at Augusta on the background on Sunday. They've made, you know, 11 so hard. They've, you know, they've made uh, the, the tee shot at 18 is, is, you know, compared to what it used to be, is so penal and, and so long and so difficult and so tight. Uh, you talk about the length of five now. I mean, you stand on the back of five tee now, and it, it's just, it's a monster. So, I mean, I, I think that, you know, we've gone as far as we can, can't, you know, you're going to be landlocked at some point there. Uh, and and I don't think the golf ball is going to change. So I think that what's going to happen is, you know, the golf score, the golf course is going to level out to a winning score uh, and, and not, truthfully, not as exciting as it used to be. I mean, you used to see so many crazy things coming, going on at Augusta coming down the stretch on Sunday. You don't see as many fireworks as you used to see. And I, Quite frankly, I, I kind of miss that. They, you know, they planted those trees on the right side of 11. Uh, the, the tee shot of 11 is so hard to get in play now. Um, you know, when they lengthen 13, it'll change the hole dramatically. Um, and then, like you said, number five, and, and again, they continue to do it at 18 too. So, I mean, it's, it's, it's a different golf course. I'm not sure it's really good, um, good viewing anymore or, or not as good as it used to be. Uh, I personally liked it when, when it was a little bit more exciting and, and birdies and eagles were, were more the norm. Tom, I want to switch gears a little bit. I got to get some more pointers from you. I uh, got my buddy's trip uh, coming up here in a couple of weeks. And one of the things that I've learned from watching some of your videos and reading some of your articles in Golf Tips uh, magazine is on the on the shorter chip shots, pitch shots, you know, 30, 50 yards, and, and I know, you know, you feed into my head, short game, short game, short game. But one of the things that I've learned is is more getting my feet more narrow on those shots. I've been typically the same stance regardless of what club I have in my hand, and uh, it it, uh, it seems like I'm be- I'd be better off on those shorter shots having a more narrow stance. Talk about why that's important. Chris, how many guys are going on your guys' trip coming up in a couple of weeks? Uh, just a handful. We've got uh, five guys. Five guys. So I, I got 250 an hour. So if you guys would divvy that up five ways and send me a check, I, I can give you some more tips. <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> no, no. So short, you know, the great Harvey Pennick, uh said, you know, little shot, little setup, big shot, big setup. So I think a lot of people come to us hitting short shots um, with their feet too wide, with with them holding the club too long on the grip. Uh, I, I got to spend some time a number of years ago with Raymond Floyd, who arguably, uh, besides Seve, probably had the best short game in the last 20 years and certainly the best pitcher and chip of the golf ball in the last 20 years. And Ray and, and Seve both believed on, you know, gripping down the club almost to the steel if you look at Raymond chipping the golf ball, pitching the golf ball, his feet and his heels were almost touching each other. So that goes right back to, like I said, what Harvey Pennick said, you know, big swing, big setup, little swing, little setup, um, and, and controlling the golf club uh, and controlling the use of your body during that shot and minimizing and minimizing your body movement. So, yeah, I'd, I'd like to see your feet closer together. I'd like to see you choke down on the golf club. And I'd like you to learn to control the face a little bit better. Does that start to get progressively wider as you get back through the bag? So if I'm if I'm almost heels touching on say you know a thirty forty yard kind of pitch shot, no, I would, am I, I is would there say, is I there a certain say, distance you want them apart? I wouldn't say thirty or forty yard pitch shot heels touching. I'd say you know more greenside pitching and chipping, and then as you move away, 
uh, progressively would get a little wider, certainly, yes. Okay. Now talk about hands. And you talked about almost down, you know, and the close shots, almost down to the steel of the shaft. But, you know, are you a hands neutral? Do you like to see the hands more ahead of the golf ball? Where do you, where should we have our hands on these shots? You know, it's funny, Chris, you said, I just had a, I just had a short game lesson with a player yesterday at the club and, and, you know, we talked about hitting different kinds of green side and, and progressively pitch shots away from the green. And I said to him, you know, my, my two favorite teachers of short game in 2019 in my industry are Dr. Trial and Mr. Error. So you've got to get out there and hit some shots. Yeah. And, and experiment with, you know, how long you hold the club, where you play the ball in your stance, depending on what you're trying to do with the golf ball. Certainly, if you want to fight the golf ball lower and make it run a little bit more, it's going to be back in your stance a little bit more, and your hands are going to be a little bit more forward. You're going to get the golf ball up in the air a little bit more. It's more centered in your stance, and your hands are a little bit more neutral. And again, all that's based on club selection as well. So I think there are different combinations of how long you hold the club, where you put the ball between your feet, you know, what size swing you make, what club you take out of the golf bag in terms of the loft you select. There are a lot of factors that go into hitting different types of golf shots. And I don't think people, unlike, very unlike Seve and Raymond, are very creative around the greens. And I think good short game players are highly creative. And Tom, for, for most of us, let's say, you know, we've got an 8 a.m. tea time in the morning. We, we come flying into the parking lot at, you know, 7.45. We, we run into the clubhouse, we pay, and then uh, we're, we're grabbing our bag and we're running off to the first tee. But um, for, from your perspective, what, what should, you know, how should we be preparing ourselves for an 8 o'clock tee time? What time should we be arriving? How much time should we be paying, playing, uh, spending out on the range, on the practice uh, green, all of that sort of thing? What, what should that time frame look like? for us to be ready for an 8 o'clock tee time? Well, I, I think, Chris, that, that's pretty individual. I mean, I, I personally, I need at least an hour, at least an hour to feel prepared in terms of being ready to hit a golf shot on the first tee and feeling like I have a chance and in terms of you know, getting there and stretching a little bit, you know, hitting some short shots around the green, hitting some putts, moving progressively away from the green and hitting some shots on a range from a, from a short iron, working through my bag into my driver. And, and I mean enough shots where I feel comfortable and I'm not trying to solve any problems during warm-up. I'm just trying to warm up and feel comfortable with my body and being loose enough to feel like I can make a swing off the first game, be fairly aggressive, and, 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 and make solid contact and feel balanced. So I think that's an individual thing. But I I, I don't know anybody that's any good, with, with, with some rare exceptions, that doesn't spend an hour or more getting ready. So if it means getting out of bed a little earlier and getting to, getting to play golf at a higher level, I think you need to do that. And if you're not willing to do that, you probably have to expect that you know, you're going to have some rough starts off the first tee. And Tom, to that end, right? You know, you mentioned you know getting out there, and there's you know there's dew on the ground now. We're out on the golf course, but it's still early, and that sort of thing. Is, is there from a weather perspective, what impact does that have for you on club selection? You know, are you are you thinking, all right, well, it's you know the sun's just coming up here. We got dew on the ground. The ball isn't going to travel as far. How should we be really starting to calculate in our minds what we should be hitting from a club selection perspective early in the morning? You know, that's, that's, that's a really good Florida question right now, Chris. We're going to, we're going through a time here in Florida right now where the humidity is going up. The air is getting a little heavier. Um, we are, we do have more dew on the ground during the day. So the fairways aren't as firm and as fast. The air is heavier and that certainly affects your club selection. You know, certainly, Later on in the day, when it gets a little warmer and things dry out a little bit, you know, your conditions change. So I think it's a factor. But again, I think that's a little bit individual. 
based on you know the amount of speed you create in your golf swing and what your normal yardages are. But for me, it's you know those early morning tee times and those kind of conditions you're talking about with the humidity and the dew could be could be as much as a half of a club. So I think you need to be aware of that also. And what what impact do you think it has on the greens? I know uh, you know you you pounded into my head about you know hey leave the clubs at home for a week or two go out and just practice your putting and that's a great way to cut down strokes. But is there a, is there a due impact on the greens that we need to also be calculating into our heads? Does that slow well, it down? How that, much does it slow it down? I think that depends on the, the club you're playing at and the, and the and the maintenance practices, Chris. I mean, if you're playing at a a pretty high-end country club where there's, you know, there's a lot of maintenance done before the first golfer hits it off the first tee and, you know, the greens are, the greens are cut and they're rolled and, and, and there's no dew on the green, you know, there'll be minimum impact. If you're playing at a public golf course where maybe those conditions aren't quite the same, you know, you gotta pay attention to that. But certainly if, if you're playing at that public golf course, you're gonna, you're gonna find that same condition in the practice putting room before you go to the first tee and you should have paid attention to that during your warm-up. Because um, those conditions probably exist there as well as at, on the first green when you arrive at. So Tom, one you know, just a couple more here before we let you go. And um, as we sort of work back through our our regiment for getting prepared to play around the golf, do you uh, are you a pitching wedge back up through to driver? How how should we be going through our bags out on the practice tee to get uh, to get dialed in? Yeah, I've always worked from short to long, Chris. So, you know, I, I try to alternate, um, odds and evens. So, you know, for example, on a, on a Monday, I'd go pitching wedge, eight iron, six iron, four iron, hybrid, fairway with driver. And then on the next day, I would, I would go pitching wedge, nine iron, seven iron, five iron, three iron, hybrid, three with driver. So, you know, I, over the course of two days, I try to touch every club in my golf bag, uh, and there are no favorites. Um, but, you know, I'm certainly working from short to long. And I'm moving through the set gradually as, as I feel like my golf swing is getting a little more responsive and a little more loose during my warm-up. Tom, you, you've written so many great articles for uh, for the magazine. I, I'm just curious to get uh, what we could uh, start to look forward to. What what are some of the new things coming out that you're writing about uh, for Golf Tips magazine? Well, Chris, more so than just me writing about them, uh, Dick Williams, the editor of Golf Tips, has kind of resurrected that magazine, which was for all intents and purposes, a couple of years ago, dead and buried, and he's done a wonderful job with it. And we've, uh, I, I've been very fortunate enough to be asked by them to be on their on their selection committee for their top 25 list. And if you look at that list really carefully, and the viewers can go to golftipsmagazine.com and check it out, the uh, 25 people we put together there are are really really talented and, have, and each have a hell of a resume. Um, so there's a lot of good things coming down the pike there. In all areas of the game, from from you know short game to full swing to you know new technologies to club fitting to uh, to how to practice, how to play you know playing lesson type situations, it's all being covered this year. So I, I would really suggest anybody out there who hasn't seen that magazine and the revival of that magazine get involved with it and check it out both you know on their newsstand and and in the and the online presence it's developing as well. Vic's done a wonderful job with that, and we're very proud of it. Tom, let our listeners know how they can stay up to date with all the great advice that you have, whether it's online or it's on social media. Chris, thank you. Certainly at the website at TomPatry.com and then all the social media platforms, whether it's Twitter, Instagram, or LinkedIn, or and the, or the two Facebook pages are, are all available. And, uh, and they can also go to my website and subscribe to the newsletter, which comes out quarterly, um, my TP Golf newsletter. So any of those, any of those venues are, are available to the listeners. 
And Tom, I can't let you go before I uh, get a winner from you. Who do you think is going to be on top of the leaderboard come Sunday evening? You know, my short list would certainly be it would certainly include Tiger. I think Rory's really peaking at the right time. I love I love what Fleetwood's done and his body of work. And my dark horse, and it's not really a dark horse, but the guy I really want to see play well, and I think might just do it. And it is a dark horse by probably most people standards at Augusta is Francisco Molinari. Wow, I mean. Yeah, if Molinari's a dark horse, a guy that uh, just recently won and uh, you know won a major last year and had such a great year, that's that's uh, saying something. I got to because I tell you what, I got him in my foursome. There's, I, I think you know, that guy's you know, got a great chance of winning. It's it's funny because people talk about Brooks Kepkin. I get any respect, but if you look at Molinari's body of work in the last thirty six months, I don't think he's gotten his due at all. And uh, I, I, you know, I, they say he's not long enough for Augusta. I'm not sure about that. They said Zach, Zach Johnson wasn't long enough either. So right, I, would right. watch him, I would watch him carefully. Agreed. TP, thank you so much for taking time out of your night to come back and be a part of the show. Look forward to catching up with you again real soon, my friend. In between now and then, all the best to you and your family. Chris, I appreciate your time. Thanks a lot. See you, TP. That's a great Tom Patry, P-A-T-R-I, at Tom Patry on, uh, on Twitter. All kinds of great stuff. TomPatry.com. His website's fantastic. A lot of really good videos, a lot of great advice and great articles out there on Golf Tips Magazine as well. All right, folks, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of Next on the Team. My sincere thanks go out to Keith Hirschland, Matthew Lawrence, and Tom Patry for joining me tonight. Please give me your thoughts. Check out our page on Facebook, Next on the Team with Chris Mascaro. Let me know. Give me a comment. Give me a like. We appreciate that very much. Plus, also, if you've got a question about one uh, that you would like for us to get out there to one of our previous guests or one of our future guests, we'll be glad to do that for you. You can see our guest schedule on our website, next.net. Folks, thank you so much for choosing to listen to the show tonight. We know you've got a lot of golfing content out there at your disposal. We really appreciate the fact that you are making Next on the Tee part of that golf consumption. Until next week, hit him straight, my friends. on the tee with Chris Mascaro, where PGA and LPGA pros and top instructors and media members go to tell their stories. Join us the same time every Tuesday to hear more stories about the game we love from people who love sharing those stories with you. It's all about the great game of golf. It's all about the